0: Hey, welcome to the Road.TV Sermon Podcast, where we're diving into this mind-blowing parable of the unmerciful servant. Pastor Rick brings the heat as we explore the game-changing power of forgiveness in our own spiritual journey. Hit that subscribe button for jaw-dropping insights on the parables of the Bible as we continue our series entitled Summer Remix. Let's roll together on this epic ride. Good morning. And uh, grab a Bible A phone, an iPad, something that you can open and read God's Word in. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. Just kind of hold your spot there. We're nearing the end of our summer series, uh, Summer Remix, uh, New Truths. Uh, from old stories. And we've been working our way through the parables, and uh, we've learned some truths about parables. A parable is an earthly story that is used to make comparison to a heavenly spiritual reality. It takes an abstract truth and uh, makes it a little bit more concrete and easier to remember and apply to our lives. And, and you know, I've, I, I've discovered some things that are pretty obvious, but they just became kind of blatantly glaring to me as I have worked my way through this. Uh, Uh, through this series. First, um, parables draw everybody in because people love a good story. And Jesus was a master storyteller. So when he tells a story, it's great. It's easy to follow. It's easy to listen to. But the second thing that got me, and this was kind of a, a step back and look at this, is what Jesus is talking about in these parables, they are daily life issues that we struggle with, right? The, every parable deals with something that, in some way, we get argumentative about, maybe just with ourselves, but we do tend to get argumentative about it. Like, one of the things that's really hard for us to understand, and even churches argue about this, is grace. God's grace. How hard it is for us to comprehend how good God's grace is. To us. And then we get it for us, right? we like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad God's grace is for me. Then we struggle with it for other people, right? Oh, I don't know about that. And so Jesus understood that. So what does he do? He tells a story about the love of a father for the son who rebelled and the son who stayed home. That he loved them both equally. And you get it. You get it. How about money, right? Money is one of those things we argue with ourselves and with others about. So what did Jesus do? He told a number of stories to illustrate the hold money gets on our lives. How about who's going to make it to heaven? Who's not going to make it to heaven? Entire church structures are built on that question. So Jesus tells a story. Basically telling us, hey, some things belong to me that don't belong to you, and who's going to heaven's one of them? I've left you a job to do. You just do your job. Super easy. You know what there's not a parable about? The Ten Commandments. Baptism. Communion. All these things in Scripture that are black and white. But when it comes to a parable, a couple of things happen in our lives a parable moves us first of all away from argument moves us toward action just do something just do something when it comes to your money do something when it comes to grace do something right live like you follow Jesus but this is the one that's going to get us today when a parable has done its work you and I will be uncomfortable and you're going to be uncomfortable today And ultimately, when it finishes its work, you will be relieved at the truth it reveals. And with that, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to begin reading in verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with the slaves. And we'd begun to settle them. One who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me and I will repay you everything. I want you to underline that and put a number one right there underline that highlight it put a number one right there and the lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt and that slave went out and found his fellow uh, slaves who who owed him a hundred denarii and he seized him and began to choke him saying pay back what you owe and his fellow slave here it is fell to the ground and began to plead with him saying have patience with me and i'll pay you everything underline that and put number two i need you to look at me they both prayed the same prayer The exact same prayer. But he was unwilling and went out and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and they came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. And there, then summoning him, his Lord says to him, you wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers. Okay, let's pause for a minute. Don't come ask me what the torturers are. I do not know. (laughs) One thing I know, I don't want to find out what they are. You with me? Because in two verses, you're going to find out what God says. You turn him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly father will also do the same to you. You got somebody you can't forgive? My heavenly father. About now that uncomfortable thing should be setting in. If each of you do not forgive his brother from your heart. Let's pray together. Father, uh, man, nothing nothing in all the world makes us understand how much you love us like working through a parable like this, dealing with our own forgiveness. And, and Father, I pray today for all of us who have a list of people we can't forgive. Uh, Father, some of them, we put distance between ourselves and them and pretended like it's forgiveness. Father, I pray that we would be true followers. I pray, Father, that uh, we would not be content to not live like you. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to take a a moment and kind of talk about this parable. It's a a great story. It is a great story. Uh, The parable was told to clarify and simplify uh, questions about forgiveness. And who, who doesn't have questions about forgiveness, right? I mean, we've got questions about our own forgiveness. Can I be forgiven? How much can I be forgiven? How can I forgive myself? All of us have questions about our forgiveness, but then it bleeds over into other people's forgiveness. How, how many times do I have to forgive you? And that's where this starts. It starts with Peter. Peter saying, Jesus, I got a question. How many times do I forgive the person who hurts me? Seven. Crazy, right? Why choose seven? Well, there's a reason. Most of us don't know it. But there's a reason seven was chosen. If you go back to the book of Amos and the book of Job, six times in the book of Amos, the scripture records that God said he would forgive pagan nations three times. In the book of Job, that same thing is said, I will forgive three times. So the Jews set the standard of forgiveness at three. Here's what Peter's doing. Peter's having this great moment with God, right? He's before Jesus. He's feeling pretty good. He says, how many times should I forgive? I'll take the Jewish standard. I'll double it and add one. He's feeling pretty good about where he's at. Jesus looks at him. He says, what? Seven? Seven? Let's try 70 times seven. Who in this life hadn't been Peter? Who hasn't looked at somebody and said, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm finished. Last time we're going through this. Who who doesn't have a list? Of people who've hurt you and you've just gotten to the place where you just live with that list I'll never forgive you I'll never forgive them. well Jesus answered to Peter this seven times 70 th- this was shocking and so Jesus does what he has done with all of these parables he tells a story to clarify this issue forgiveness. And what is it we're missing? Did y'all see that cricket? Where'd that cricket go? Did he go on the ground? He hit that table and he bounced. I heard him. (laughs) All right, we're back in the scripture again. Sorry. So what has to be missing from our lives if we're going to keep a list? Right, let's just just take it down to ground zero. Following Jesus, what did we miss? If we say we're following Jesus and we're keeping a list, it's a story of a king who owned a lot of stuff. And, and, and theologians will tell us that more than likely these slaves you were talking about were tax collectors for his kingdom. And he decides it's time to settle up and, and, and he calls his slaves in and, and he says, uh, you're going to appear before me and, and we're going to settle up our accounts. And, and the first guy he calls in owes him 10,000 talents of gold. It's a shocking number. How did the man ever get this much debt? How did he ever find himself in this much debt? And this is where the parable falls apart because we read this and you don't know what a talent is. Right? How much is a talent? Well, theologians will tell you that a talent is about 75 pounds. Let's just stop for a second. 75 pounds of gold times 10,000. So when Jesus tells this story, the people who are listening gasp. (gasps) How did a man ever get in that kind of debt? Right? How did that ever happen? Now, I'm going to help you understand so that you have a gasping moment. That's about $220 billion of debt. Right? $220 billion. Now, here's the kicker. His debt didn't matter to him until he stood before the king. yours won't either until the king calls you home and when you stand before him you will be faced with a debt how did I ever get such a debt and so the king says to the man you can't repay the debt I'm going to go get your wife I'm going to go get your kids I'm going to get everything you own we're going we're gonna to sell everything you own. We're going to sell your kids into slavery. You're going to watch that happen. We're going to sell your wife into slavery. You're going to watch that happen. And lastly, you'll be sold into slavery. Watch this. Look at me. This is a really serious parable. His debt cost him everything he ever loved. You need to hear me. His debt cost him everything he had ever loved in life. And so what does he do? When, he, when his debt became real to him, he gets on his face And he begins to cry and plead, please, please, please forgive me. Give me one more chance. And it moved the heart of the king. And not only did the heart of the king say, listen, you got another chance. He took it one step further. This is what he said. Not only am I gonna let you go, I'm gonna wipe your debt out. Now I want you to pause for a second. If you had $220 billion of debt, and somebody wiped it out, is that a big deal? Will that change your life? It should, but often it doesn't. It didn't change his life. He went home that night and had steak for dinner because he was celebrating $220 billion of debt gone a couple days later he's out making his rounds and he meets a a fellow servant who owes 100 denarii so let me tell you what a denarius is a, der- a denarius is what a guy gets for working one day he owed 100 he owed three months of salary significant debt but handleable right you could you could do something with it 100 days three months of salary that he owes and he looks at him and he says pay me now and the guy prays, listen to this, the same exact prayer he just prayed. And it didn't make any difference. And so he takes him and he throws him into prison. Now, prison was different. Prison wasn't cable TV and three hot meals, a soft place to sleep. Prison was designed so that when you went there, and if you read this, this is what he says. You went there so that the people who loved you would pay your debt and get you out before you didn't survive prison. So, your family gathers everything, they sell everything, your friends do. You rally all the money you can rally to get the person you love out of prison. And so, what this guy was trying to do was motivate these people to pay the 100 denarii. And instead of rallying the forces to raise money, they went to the king. We want you to know what happened, King. You forgave this guy so much. And he went out here and he found our daddy who owed him 100 denarii. And right now, my daddy's in prison, King. I just wanted you to know. And the king... Says, bring him to me. And he brings him in and he said, uh, I was so gracious to you and so merciful to you. I forgave you so much. And you walked right out of here and you found this guy who gave, who owed you very, very little. And you threw him into prison and he looked at him and he says, This, watch this, and you need to hear this. You wicked individual are are you making the application you are wicked wicked and here's what's going to happen I got some friends I want you to meet we call them the torturers and you will be with them I want you to hear what Jesus said until you repay everything oh we've already determined something right how long would it take to repay everything? Come on. It would take forever. Look at me. You're never coming out of there. Never. And then Jesus turns to his followers and he says this, so shall my heavenly father do to you if you do not forgive those who've offended you. And right now, the uncomfortable level should be pretty big in most all of our lives. Tell you how big it was in my life. I'm studying for this. I go home. I sit down with my wife. I say, I'm in trouble, babe. I don't forgive well. And it's not even big stuff, right? I'm just telling you. It's not even big stuff. There's a bunch of little bitty stuff in my life that I have trouble getting over. I'm looking at my life, and I'm hearing this, and I'm going, I'm in trouble. But you are too. Because most of the people in this room, right? I, I had written in my notes, 75 80% of the people in the room have trouble forgiving. That's not true. Right? Almost everybody has trouble forgiving. Almost everybody. And if you don't, one of two things ha- are, are true. Either really bad stuff hasn't happened to you, given enough time, it will. Or you need to be up here. <laughs> You need to be the one teaching. So what does this mean for our lives? Um, How can we find the big freedom? If we found the big uncomfortable, how do we find the big freedom uh, in this truth? Well, first of all, let's understand what the parable is about. Hang on. This parable is about a failure to clearly understand salvation. Uh, it, it sounds like what's happening in this parable means that if you don't forgive, you've lost your salvation. It sounds that way, but that's not the point of the parable. The point of the parable is you never understood your salvation in the first place. Is it never clearly? understood how much you have been forgiven of. So I want you to think about all the things in this parable that that first slave did not understand. He did not understand the size of his debt. Neither do we. He did not understand it until he stood before the king, neither will we. He did not understand and hear me that his debt was going to cost him everything he loved in life. Neither do we. He didn't understand how great the grace he received was. Neither do we. He did not understand his inability to pay the debt off. Right? $220 billion is $1,000 a day for 2,740 years get busy. But truth of the matter is, you can't be busy enough. You can't do it. You can't ever do enough to pay off your debt. He did not understand how what he had received should have changed his life. And neither do we. So much he didn't understand. Forgiveness is a really big deal. Uh, The Bible deals with it quite a bit. This parable is told because it's a big deal as well as other parables that deal with forgiveness. But it's it's not just this in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Forgive us our trespasses or our debts as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. Big deal. Scripture says in, in Luke 6, 38. You've heard this before. Give and it will be given unto you. You normally hear it when people are talking about money, but it's out of context. So out of context. If you read the verses that precede that, this is what they say. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. Give and it will be given unto you. This is about forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's about how we pass the grace we have received along to others. And then Jesus says, you will receive good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You like ice cream? I'm trying to see if y'all awake. Y'all like ice cream? I love ice cream. I love Chick-fil-A ice cream, right? Man, I love that stuff. But I hate going to Chick-fil-A ice cream or Chick-fil-A and getting ice cream. And they bring out that big tall thing. And you stick your spoon in it, and it's hollow on the inside. You ever get one of those hollow cones? Right? Now, what I want you to do with that, I want you to take that cup, and when you're filling it, I want you to go, beat that thing down. Right? Beat it down. Fill up that hollow center. And this is what Jesus is saying. Stop living hollow lives. Stop being empty believers, because when you really begin to get this, here's what's going to happen. You're going to receive, and it's going to be beat down, shaken together, pressed together. This parable is not about earning forgiveness. This is about understanding how big forgiveness really is. Once you understand how big your debt is and that you and I are incapable of paying it off, then we begin to grasp how gracious God is. Well, that'll change your life. We already agreed that to forgive a debt that big should. Look at me. Did it? Talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Now, all my Bible people are out there, and don't do this today. Because if you come up to me today and want to argue with me today, I just got one more person I have to forgive. And I'm just, <laughs> right? So we talk about God has forgotten our sin. Let me ask you a question. If God is God and he knows everything, how does he forget anything? You think the guy in the parable forgot that this dude owed him $220 billion? $220 billion. You think that your sin that nailed Jesus to a tree that tortured him, you think God somehow magically forgot what you did to his son? You said, Pastor, what about the scripture? I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures. Psalm 103, he has removed our sin as far as east is from the west. Micah 719, he cast out our iniquities into the depths of the sea. This is the good one. Jeremiah 31:34: I remember their sin no more. Well, let's talk about remember for a second. Because in in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, the scripture says, God remembered Noah. It had been raining for a long, long time. Now, Now, hang with me. Are you telling me that the flood was just the result that God forgot to turn off the water? God's walking around in heaven one day and he goes, oh my goodness, the water's running and Noah's out there. He remembered him. That's what it says. Let me tell you what it means. It means he turned his focus toward him. What does it mean in in regard to your sin? It means he turned his focus away from your sin. That he chose to no longer make our sin, our indebtedness, the focus of his being. So here, look at me, because some of you got some big hurt. Some of you are carrying around such big, big, big pain. The first step to forget forgiving is changing the focus of your life. Stop letting what happened have everything. Your marriage, your kids, stop giving everything to it. Change the focus of your life. Remember what we said about the debt? It took everything this guy loved away from him. Second thing that forgiving is not forgiving is not removing all consequences. Somehow we think that when we talk to God and we go, God, forgive me what I did, that, that all of a sudden magically, like everything in life is reset. It doesn't work like that. You go out here, you get a DUI. They pull you over. They put the cuffs on you. They take you downtown. They charge you. They give you a really, really expensive court costs and ticket. And then because you didn't quit drinking, your liver starts failing. And you go, okay, God, forgive me. Did he forgive you? Okay. This 9 o'clock service, 9.15, has got to get on board. <laughs> Did he forgive you? Yes. yes, he forgave you. You're still going to jail. Yes. And somebody's like, I hope not, but yes, <laughs> you're going to jail. You still have liver disease. Yes. Consequences are real. Most clearly illustrated in the life of David, who said in Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned, O God. And this baby died. And his son rebelled, and he lost the kingdom. And what he did in secret was done on rooftops. Consequences are real. They're real. Forgiving is not trusting again. I need some people to set some boundaries in life. You are not a doormat. Following Jesus does not make you a doormat. So typically this is how it happens somebody does something they say hey would you forgive me and then somewhere maybe a couple of days later is look I ask you to forgive me why don't you trust me well I'll tell you why you're not trustworthy you broke trust person who breaks trust has to rebuild trust it's a long journey it's a hard journey So here's, here's, again, there's some freedom in this message. There's some light bulb moments. Some people need to hear that you can lay boundaries in life and it's okay. You are not a doormat. And forgiving doesn't mean carte blanche into life. So what is forgiveness? And we're going to wrap up. I'm already over. Good grief. Here we go. Three. Forgiving means I give up the right to seek revenge. Uh, this one is the one that gets me. There is something inside of me. If you have this same temperament, you understand that wants to set the scales right in life. Well, I got news for you. They'll never be set right in this life. Not till we get to heaven. This is what Romans 12 says: Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Look at me. To anybody. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible, so far as it depends on you. (laughs) Be at peace with everybody around you. Good grief, could we just give that a run? I mean, as followers of Jesus, could we just try that? Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy's hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what forgiveness looks like. I had a guy, and I don't realize I'm over time, but I think this is important. He caught me after the service. He said, man, you know, I've got some, some stuff. And he says, it's all good till I see him again. I said, yeah, I've used that excuse before too. Is it distance equals forgiveness? Just because you're out of my circle doesn't mean I've forgiven you. And we need Christians to stop living like that's what it means. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I think I'm going to go take them some tomatoes. And I said, now there you go. Now you're choosing to change the focus of life. Number two. I refuse to be consumed by the past. And an old saying goes, holding on to anger is drinking poison, hoping the other person gets sick. We've all heard that, and there's some big hurts out there. Uh, so, So big that they happened years and years ago, and we are living like they just happened yesterday. We got stuck. And when we choose to focus on that event in the past, it's not making their life harder. It's just making our life harder. I need you to hear me on that. They are not suffering because you are stuck. You are suffering. Last point, and this was the point of the parable. Just give other people what God has given you. Those who have fully understood God's grace will pass it on to others what they have received from God. So here, here, here's where we're at. And uh, I'm going to move straight into the invitation because I went over on my time. Uh, if this is a big deal to you and you say, where do I start, Pastor? You start by trying to understand how big your own salvation was, is. Right, God, I don't even know where to begin. You begin by looking at what God's forgiven you of. You become consumed with how much debt was erased from your life. And as I told a lady in the last service, this journey's long. This is not a light switch. You're not going to come down here, pray with Matthew, pray with Victor, and all of a sudden everything in life is wonderful. The deeper the hurt, the longer the journey. This is tough. This is tough. Would you pray with me today? So who's on your do not forgive list? And are you ready to freely give what you have freely received? Are you ready to change the focus of your life and stop giving everything to something that happened maybe years ago and then start giving new stuff to your mate, your family, your kids, your friends, your church to be free, to be free. Or maybe you're here and you'd say, pastor, what I really need is to experience the forgiveness of God because you know what? I've had a great dose of church, but I have not experienced what you're talking about. Victor and Matthew and myself are here. When we pray, would you stand and begin to sing as our band leads us. Father, thank you for the time you gave us today. And oh God, how we pray it would take root in our lives. God, that we would truly be followers of Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.